Dog Nation, we've been gone for a while, but you know that you could not keep us away as we round into the 2021-2022 football season. With me, as always, is Keegan Chanel. Mm-hmm. And I am Chido Chibuye, and this... This is the dog's off the list. Do it for the dog. 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 You know, we got a season, luckily, but still with this with this COVID thing kind of lingering, it, it's still not everything's really fell back into place yet. No, it hasn't, and it this whole season, unfortunately, could be. I'm, you know, it's, it's not a surefire thing in this like political climate that we're in with the mandates, and they're saying these variants are you know popping up with COVID. Um, but I guess we'll just let that play out, and hopefully, it'll. I'll go smoothly, and we actually can watch a semi-normal season. That would be that would be nice. <laughs> at least have some fans in the stands, like for at least a few games. If, if I think at this point playing. that is the best approach because we really don't know how these things are going to go. So you know, sometimes it's just good just to sit back, let things play out, and and you know, hope for the best. Um, but yeah. on the bright side, we have moved through a summer, and it's been a pretty interesting summer for. Uh, multiple, for multiple reasons, not just for UGA, but for college football as a whole, which we'll touch on. Um, but for Georgia, we are actually coming into August. We have wrapped up officially SEC media days and are really about to get into the grind uh, of the offseason, just, you know, getting ready. I think it's about 70, under 70 days or so now. So um, it's, it's getting close. You, you can smell college football. Yeah, it's that time of year where everybody – it's everyone's season until the first game starts, and hopefully that is actually true of our season this year. And, you know, it's there's been a – I feel like the, the program is just at a peak, you know. It's, I mean, really, we, uh, we've got all these new facilities. The coaching staff is like, you know, we've added a ton of people, new faces, and just more uh, supporting staff as always, and – we're really in a good position with the program primed with all these recruits. Kirby's had a full cycle, four years. So really everyone on the team at this point has never had a Mark Rick as their coach. Um, and it's, you know, it's, we're in a good spot. We're, we're in a great spot. And one thing that's already kind of returning back to normal uh, is the year prior, we did not get to have SEC media days, but it has since returned to Hoover, Alabama. And, uh, joining Kirby this year was our starting quarterback going to next year, JT Daniels and Jordan Davis, two absolutely vital pieces going into the season. So it only makes sense um, that they would accompany Kirby. Uh, now, generally the media from the pick that I've seen, it looks like most people still have Alabama to win the West. Um, now remember Alabama's lost their quarterback. You know, the Joe Burrow days are over for LSU. They struggled last year. Texas A&M is expected to make a push, uh, maybe Mississippi State, um, but Alabama should come out of the West. And then on the East side, the majority of the picks uh, have returned to the dogs. We, now, we did give up our SEC East crown to Florida, but we were going through our whole quarterback 
debacle. So, I mean, that makes sense. But I fully expect us to take back the East crown this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on East and West and UGA this year from a purely SEC uh, vantage point? Well, just looking at a preview, I feel like we got to feel good about the fact that we kind of know what we got coming in. A lot of these teams have reasons to be excited. They got players they think will pan out. But what we saw towards the end of the season and with the games with JT Daniels at the helm, we kind of – we should – you know, we should have a little bit of confidence with that. And a lot more than a lot of these other teams can really have. There's only a few quarterbacks in the SEC coming back. I know that uh, the Ole Miss cat and is there? A, there's one more that really is kind of notable. Do you, can you help me out? It, it's definitely uh, Ole Miss's uh, guy. I think it's uh, Matt. Maybe Matt Corral, Coral. Yeah, that's right. Alabama's got their – He's not played, but he's supposed to be a, a stud for the most part. But well, he's, that, got, like, he's got substantial minutes, but yeah, he's never he's never started. I mean, the, everyone has reasons to hype. But I guess what I was getting at is just we have like pieces that we're very familiar with. It's less theory exactly. for us than all of these exactly. other teams. Like Florida, really will. I, I like uh, Emory Jones. Uh, they they have a good quarterback in him, and I feel like you know they they have a lot of talent, but. I think yeah, and he's a I good think, quarterback, but it's going to take another Kyle Trask type of year right. to, for them to do what they did last year again. To, and is he at make, that level? I doubt. Yeah, it. and that's that's what I was going to get at. It's like I think they have some real studs, but I just don't think they have the game makers to make up the talent gap. Like last year, they were able to really catch us because Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts were just yes. <laughs> Kyle squared was yes. unstoppable. So. Yes. We didn't really have an answer. Even when we did things well, it's like, well, no, we'll we just... struggled defending tight ends from the jump. I, I even told a Florida fan that I work with now, I was like, y'all should get this game. And like, you, you could see it. Like, you got to be real with yourself. Like, they had something that attacked our weaknesses and two star players in the NFL now. It really only makes sense that it went down the way it did. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know who else would really challenge us in the East like that. I mean, other than Florida. And I feel like our defense was returning pretty strong, and we really made up the gaps in some of the new faces that we'll talk about in a minute, just coming in with, like, the transfer market. So the weaknesses we would have had, and I would have been, like, question marks, at least I feel, you know, like, at peace with it. And it's one of those things you're just never going to know until the season starts on who, who's who and who's got what. And, you know, injuries happen, attrition's happen, uh, COVID variants could happen. All these things could, you know, take place. But uh, as far as the, the preview armchair analysis goes, I feel like Georgia really has what we need to be successful. And it's going to take – it's going to take other teams – in my mind, it's going to take other teams far exceeding their expectations for them to just supersede us and, like, whip us in any kind of com- – <laughs> any game or any competition. Otherwise, I feel like we have that edge in the leadership. So, you know, that's all you can really hope for as a fan. Like, uh, the, the rest, you know, hey, we could go – we could get struck by lightning every game, I guess. And, you know, like, it could all fall to hell by bad luck. But, like, all you can really hope for is to have the pieces we got. And we haven't had a QB situation. We've had – what four QBs? I'd say were just true studs. You know, we got the, in in modern. We got a lot of good quarterbacks. So let's not get too deep on that. But I guess you know, I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is I would argue that JT Daniels has the potential to be the best 
collegiate quarterback from Georgia ever. Uh, I think he's just got like the the pieces to to put that together. So we'll see. I mean, he's got the potential, and that's you know, that's all you can hope for. So, what, how do you feel about this season going in, considering some of the changes, some of the new faces? You know, Alabama just reloads. You know, some, there's always a new star up up and coming. Texas A&M can make that leap. Like, there's so many unpredicted factors that could really kind of change the the name of the season. But how do you feel about us going in comparable? I think um, to feed up your point, JT Daniels is just as talented um, as any of our pat, like our main quarterbacks that we've had in the past. I won't say as talented as Matthew Stafford, but you know, definitely uh, Aaron Murray, definitely um, uh, Jake Fromm, um, up there, up there with those guys, and even maybe even Justin Fields without the dual threat. Now, he won't have enough time to have the careers that those guys did, but he can definitely have this just as good, have the best season out of all of them. He can bring that national championship, but what Georgia fans need to understand is he's not dual threat. And until we can protect him and prove that we can protect him, um, we'll, we'll end up 10-1, and 11-1, whatever the situation is. So we, we've got to figure out how to do that. Uh, but I also want to talk about the additions that Kirby – um, has added to this team through the transfer portal. And I think that is what really has put us over the top. George Pickens is out with the ACL for the majority of the season. In my opinion, I don't really understand the point of coming back. If you're, if you're going to go high in the draft, I, I imagine him probably sitting out the whole season unless it's just to play in the national championship or something of that nature. But we addressed that with Arik Gilbert, um, who came from LSU. He's from Marietta, but LSU – um, beat us out as far as recruiting, but after Joe Burrow and them left, uh, he saw, he, you know, he saw greener pastures and he came home. And we mentioned Kyle Pitts earlier. This this guy, I won't even say Kyle Pitts Jr. or baby Kyle Pitts. He can be as good, if not better, than Kyle Pitts. And that's scary considering that we already have Darnell Washington and all the returning sophomore wide receivers that we have. We addressed the secondary. Uh, exodus that we had four or five player, players sent to the NFL, um, which shows that Kirby can develop. Um, we had uh, Darian Kendrick from Clemson, who faces a team in the opener. And then we also have Tyke Smith, who may be one of the more important. Him, he comes over from West Virginia with secondary coach Jamil Aday from West Virginia. And what people need to understand about those two is that the Big 12 is a heavy passing league, especially as of late. West Virginia had the top secondary, I think it was in terms of yards per game, passing yards per game, in the country last year. So we're getting a player, a main player from that secondary, and the coach who led them. And they're talking All-American for Tyke Smith, second team, third team, but he's going to be a great addition with uh, Louis Cine. Uh, I wonder if I say his name wrong all the time. Cine. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying it's in there for now. I think, I, I think it is, yeah. Or maybe and it's seen, but seen, yeah, seen, seen, yeah, whatever it is. Anyways, those yeah. are two, those are three huge additions at cornerback and safety and a wide receiver, and I think those are going to mesh very well with the returners that we have. Um, our offensive line is super talented. Uh, Jamari Sawyer, uh, Schaefer coming back, a super senior, Warren Erickson. McClendon, David Trust, and half of these guys that I've already mentioned have been named to multiple, multiple watch lists on the year. You've got N'Kobe Dean coming back. You've got Adam Anderson who's going to have his chance. Nolan Smith, 
dude, as far as talent goes, this team was already stacked. Was already stacked. So if we can beat Clemson, I think we put ourselves in the driver's seat to make the college football playoff because if we lose to Alabama, say, in Atlanta SEC championship, beating Clemson gives us enough to stay in the college football championship. So, again, our first game and our last game of the regular season and further than that are going to be our most important games. So it can be a special season, but can we protect JT Daniels at the end of the day? That's what it's going to boil down to. That's what it often boils down to. Well, I think we have enough. I think JT Daniels can get the ball out quick enough, and we can like kind of play around with pressure. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it's anything like that Cincinnati game, we're going to have a long season, especially because, you know, JT Daniels has had that knee injury, and he's not going to be as mobile. But we're at least going to probably see a little bit more healed, stable need JT Daniels than even last year. So that would be good. And you just don't want to put someone like that in a position where they have to run around and try to play hero ball, but he has the arm talent. And if we can just get, you know, hand the rock off to this, arguably, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah, we have so many running backs. So, uh, that are just super talented. Uh, and then you got, you got these guys on the periphery, uh, like, God, his name is uh. See, this is what I'm talking about. I can tell you. What position are you Ken, talking? Ken, I'm talking running back. We got Kendall Milton, Zeus, uh, Cook, um, but Mac, Mick and McIntosh is the one that's yeah. like all four. Like some, I mean, someone yeah. like someone like him though. I mean, it's like you know the other three, but it's like someone like him, and then whoever else we got back in that room. You know what I mean? Some recruit we forgot about who's just about to you know, come out and have a world-beater game. So it's just like we have so much talent in that room. We, you know, I think the biggest thing is, like, we have JT Daniels and Todd Monken with a lot more chemistry than they've had these past, you know, this past – I guess they've only had one – Monken's only been here that one year. So, you know, this is that's a big thing coming back. You know, I know Alabama's got a new offensive coordinator. A lot, a lot you know, a lot of teams don't have that luxury. And we're one of – you know, we're kind of in the driver's seat with some – familiarity uh you know jt daniels has probably got a lot more chemistry i've you know see him working out with the wide receivers in different spots around the country and i like the i like the idea of georgia being in an underdog position because even though we are dominant and uh, in the recruiting field and we're obviously one of the best teams we're still kind of like playing second fiddle to some of these larger not even larger, but just more successful of late programs that have always kind of, you know, taken the taken the championship. The Ohio State's, the Clemson's, the Alabama's. If we, I feel like we have to feel pretty good being this loaded, this talented, this focused, this much leadership, and we're underdogs. Like that's good from, especially from a historical Georgia perspective, because anytime we've looked like a championship team, or we might be the ones. We've we've ended up playing the overdog role if that's a if that's a phrase and you know you remember like Alabama blackout games these games where we just like did not show up did not fit that part I'd much rather be a underdog with a chip on our shoulder with something to prove instead of kind of the uh, entitled preseason favorite which I don't think Georgia has been in, <laughs> since those days and I, I feel I like I like that role and I feel like we're uh, we're hungry, but I, I just get a really focused vibe. I mean, it's it's always from the top down, but I like what, you know, JT Daniel said that we do 
simple better than anyone we play against. You know, we, you know, and that's, that's the kind of language that I like, you know, it's just keep it simple, uh, prepare well, you know, execute, <laughs> win. Like that's all it needs to ever be. And, you know, we could sit here and talk about it all day until we're both blue in the face, but it's just like, you know, execute and ha- have a level of focus. Like so much goes into, I kind of get personally a little bit, uh, riled up when I, when I, when I'm even doing a preview like this, because so much of what you hear, if you watch any sports talk show, period, you know, you watch basketball preseason, like, well, they need to do the winning game. Well, they really need to score more points than the other team. They need to limit the other team's ability to score points. It's like, you know, it's, always, like, it's, it's basic stuff. It, it ain't nothing that we don't know. <laughs> but sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's like we're wasting our breath talking about that kind of stuff. But the stuff that doesn't get talked about and does affect the game as much, if not any more than this, the team that wins probably should score the most points. Like the obvious stuff is the psychology, the leadership, the the resources of the team, the the staff, you know, the, oh, there, I heard uh, George is trying a new stretching program in the off season. you know, flexibility affects speed, all these little factors that go deeper and the intangibles. And that, and that's what I hope that me and you can kind of bring to the table and talk about to make this show kind of something different than, you know, what you would hear otherwise going into uh, any other, you know, Georgia football preview or any, any kind of sports preview period. But to me, I feel really good about those intangibles. I think we got the leadership. I like the focus that I'm hearing from Kirby and JT Daniels and Jordan Davis. I like, I like the messaging, you know, it's like we are, we're kind of no nonsense. And I think our leaderships are not really, our leadership. Sometimes you can have a leader that talks all day, but oftentimes it's just, you know, when I played football, I kind of like, I got, I got fired up and whatnot, but I kind of led by example. Some of my coaches, but you need to be more outspoken. It's like, coach, I, <laughs> I speak on the field. I just made a great play. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like the leaders you want, at least in my experience from just playing team sports is it's not always about who's got the loudest mouth and who can kind of look the part act the part sometimes it's just just about going out there and being focused on you know those guys just focused on uh the party after the game right you know so i like that this uh georgia football team seems very professional and very not no nonsense and i think kirby has I think Kirby has done a really good job of getting the right people at Georgia. And it seems like they're all really competitive, good, good people. And uh, that's good because in the past I've kind of, you know, Mark Rick had a, and uh, prayers to Mark Rick, you know, recently we discovered, you know, he had announced that he's suffering with um, Parkinson's and that's that's awful. Shout out to Mark Rick. And I, you know, he's a great person, you know, probably, one of the best leaders in all sports that I even know of. But we did have, uh, I think Mark Rick had a kind heart. And as far as a a football coach goes, we were always kind of suffering as a team, as a fan base, watching these games. Because a lot of times we'd have players out for various reasons. And a lot of of times it was a disciplinary issue. And it was a consistent reoccurring program, uh, theme of the program. And I don't know if you could chalk it up to Mark Rick or what, but one way or another – these guys just were not as focused as they needed to be. And it seems like that has completely shifted since Kirby's taken over. And I just really like the, the mindset and the vibe I'm getting from 
Georgia's football team going in this year. And that's kind of like my, that's kind of my mindset with this podcast. Like, let's really like get into it. Like, let's, we've done this enough now where it's like, I don't want to, oh, you know, the defense needs to do this. My offense needs, you know, it's like, I, we can always do that and we should touch on it. But, you know, it's like digging into those other factors as to why uh, the game will go one way or another. And I just feel like, we have all the pieces we need, the congruency and the leadership that it's going to take. And hopefully, you know, it all, we don't get flat tires in the, in the third game, but that's, that's all you can hope for any season, you know? Yeah. And, and we have the pieces and I want to give a little bit of credit of just jumping off what you said about Kirby. I, I really got an appreciation for Kirby. Like you said, there's a lot of focus, focus going on. We have the pieces. We have the coaches. We've got the system. Now it's about focus. You're not going to hear a lot of coaches show up to SEC Media Day and start quoting uh, Henry David Thoreau. Uh, as somebody who had a few you know, AP English classes back in the day, um, to hear Kirby uh, start his session off with Henry David a Thoreau quote was just crazy to me. And, and you know, <laughs> as, as somebody who went to – went to Georgia and Kirby as an alum. I think we, you know, us being lifetime Georgia fans and going to UGA, like we have a special appreciation, but on top of that, him being literally like one of us is, is an ad, an added thing. Like we, I really, we really respect him like as a person and as a coach and the quote being, um, you know, we, everybody has their, you know, projections and predictions and their expectations for this UGA team and rightfully so. But, we are too busy putting the work in to pay attention to all the noise. We're, we're too busy putting in the work, too busy hitting the field every day, in the transfer portal, um, new coaches, new pieces, addressing, addressing issues, too focused to worry about the noise. And I, I think that if that can seep into, like, the membrane of the team – we're going to have a very successful season because really sometimes it's just leadership and focus that's lacking. So I really appreciate Kirby for that. And then another thing that I think is going to get slept on that I want to mention, yeah, which you can call it an X factor. You call it what you want, but I think Will Muschamp coming in as an analyst, a defensive analyst is going to be the move, at least on the defensive side of the year. You've got somebody who's experienced as a head coach, a defensive coordinator, a secondary coach, who is going to be able to come into Kirby, who is also his best friend, like best man at his wedding, who is going yeah. to be able to be honest with him, like, hey, the reason you're losing to Alabama all these years, the reason we beat you if he beat him at South Carolina or Florida any of the years he coached or whatever, is because you're not seeing this. You're not doing this. He can be right. an extra voice looking at the secondary. This kid needs to play. This kid needs to be in this position. And, you know, God forbid we lose our uh, Glenn Schumann or uh, Dan Lanning, uh, somebody, one of our coordinators, we've got Will Muschamp ready to step in, something that he's great at. That, that's um, a really yeah. good point. That's a that's a really good point. And I like I like what you're saying about that. And I, it, it actually reminds me of just being a part of other organizations where maybe the figurehead is a little intimidating. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case at Georgia. I don't know if uh, Kirby – and I would seem it would seem like Kirby would be approachable. I know Mark Rick is approachable. I know Nick Saban. I hear people are very intimidated. Nick Saban, you know, play, players to coaches. Uh, 
And I, I, th- I don't know exactly what kind of environments at Georgia because we're not on staff and we don't I, – I don't know if you know. Do you know about that by chance? I, I really don't. I just imagine it's well, just one of those situations when you have a coach who's trying to implement what he wants to do, everybody's going to speak up. So, again, having right. somebody who's willing to do that is a benefit. Well, exactly. And what I was kind of going to say about stuff, what you just said, is kind of like, you know, what – it's, I think it's good to have someone like that in that position, a Will Muschamp, because then let's say you got a, a wild hair and you saw something on film from Florida and you got a play up your sleeve, but you're not quite comfortable or confident running it past Kirby. You might could like go to Will Muschamp and be like, hey, hey, coach, you got a minute? Check this out. And he's like, ooh, I do like that. I'm going to run that to Kirby. You know what I'm saying? So I think, 100%. I think in the military, one of the best things you can – that they kind of, uh, you know, they, they bring it to the corporate business world. The corporate business leaders of America are trying to incorporate the framework and uh, the way of doing things that the military does. And the, and the thing they really have clicking is chain of command. So, you know, each person, even the private, the, even the person who's the lowest of the low on the totem pole is a leader that is needed for the whole organization to flow smoothly. So, and having a, a free-flowing chain of command is super important because, you know, what what happens if I'm the lowest, you know, member in the in the military, we're out in operation, I see something that needs to be spoken up, but I don't say it. Like, what if I saw someone that looks like a bad guy and I, I don't say it, and then we walk around the bend 10 minutes, we all get shot up. Like, it's so important for each person to kind of have that speaking role of communication because – the leaders need to the leader has to depend on all the sub leaders, you know what I mean? To lead. And and sometimes the, the sub leader might have to actually kind of lead more than the actual leader based on, uh, you know, some information or some kind of expertise or any given moment, the, the leader has to kind of empty their hands. They're act, you know, the person at the top sometimes needs to do that and able to move forward. And that having Will Muschamp, I think is just might be, I don't know if it's an issue, but if it is at all, it, it, it cannot hurt, and it, I feel like it can only help having someone like Will Muschamp in to either, you know, be that kind of middle person, or like you said, kind of be that uh, that kind of co-leader behind the scenes. Like sometimes Will Muschamp might lead Kirby in ways that other guys aren't really willing to do because that's their boss. See what I'm saying? At the same time, they won't have they won't have the ability. They will not have as much pool as Will Muschamp because you got to think about it. Right. He, he has been a head coach at the University of Florida, uh, at the University of South Carolina. Did he? Did he have a stint at Texas as well, or something like that? Uh, I think he was an assistant somewhere okay. else. Okay. Well, but anyway, sure. his coaching resume is light years above even even some of the other head coaches on the team, like Matt Luke, who was at Ole Miss and flamed out just ASAP. Will Muschamp right. is is a head coach. We're, he, Kirby's doing the uh, Nick Saban thing, bringing in trusted, trusted voices. And this is not even just from the football aspect. This is from a personal standpoint. So Will Muschamp is going to be um, a huge asset. I really do think he's going to be an X factor. Now, with all that said, um, predictions from SEC media days are coaches, new coaches, and same uh, continuity are returning players, which we mentioned defensive, offensive, uh, and our uh, incoming from transfer portal. 
we are going into the season, I think pretty much a consensus top five. But we are also going to play one of our – definitely our hardest game in the regular season in the opener in Charlotte, North Carolina, against the University of Clemson. Um, now, a lot of people, you know, may be optimistic just right off the top. Oh, they don't have Travis Etienne. They don't have Trevor Lawrence. Both guys have gone to the NFL. A uh, wide receiver I think they lost to. Um, what are your thoughts initially – uh, going into this Clemson game, uh, matchup-wise, or who do you like as the favorite? Why or why not can we be successful and potentially win this game? Well, the Clemson team of today, Clemson is kind of an interesting beast because they play D1 football. They have a huge fan base. They're always here late in the last – since uh, Dabo took over, you know, they've been relevant. But this, it's like you go there and you feel like you're at Georgia Southern or like a D2 school. So they have a real small kind of cutesy vibe. But let that not be a uh, misnomer on them because I feel like they, outside of that, they look very familiar to Georgia this season coming in. They, you know, their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, being a uh, top draft pick going away, people are going to focus on that. But really, if you look at, Team, Clemson's team top to bottom, they're, talented. they're more talented than they've ever been outside of the quarterback position. If you exclude that position, there's, I feel like it'd be pretty hard to make an argument that they're not, especially just from like a, a straight-up on-paper recruiting standpoint. They've had the best classes they've ever had in the last few years. And, you know, actually, even when you know they won the national title, they – Outside of their elite, you know, their top-heavy stars, they had great leadership, and I think that was a major factor. But they never really had the recruiting, and that I think Clemson to me is the model of showing how you don't necessarily need to have the elite recruits to take it to that next step because they've they've gone off what I you know call just the it's almost just like the high school model. I mean, the the best high school teams to me always had you know the solid senior classes and that, that kind of. I feel like it, you know it is that leadership factor. So you just look at Clemson. I think they're they're a team to be reckoned with. They're a team that's going to stay in the conversation. They're only going to get better at recruiting. And I, I see Georgia. I see Georgia really having the edge because Clemson has not been tested, and like in a. Uh, in a in a seasonal sense, I mean they they have some close games where they really slip up, but. You know, Georgia, we do play SEC football, and at the elite, I think it matters a little bit less who you play, but preparation is a real thing. And I, I just feel like, you know, I feel like our team overall is just more tested than they are. So, I, as far as just a matchup goes, I feel great about it. And I think it, it's really good just for the a team like Clemson. It's great for Clemson to play us because, you know, all they hear is how they don't play anybody. So, all the, you know, all a Clemson fan could ask for is, you know, for for them to come in and whoop up on Georgia and show everyone, you know, how the haters are wrong and how really, you know, they got what it takes. But, yeah, just looking at Clemson, I, I feel like the main things I kind of take away from them is that they look a lot like us. They're starting to kind of get uh, in that they're just, a, you know, they're just a football juggernaut. And the, the way they built their program up, everything they have going for them, they're, uh, they're, they're scary. But also I feel like they're still kind of cute. <laughs> They've done really well the last few years, but I kind of still see Clemson as this uh, glorified Cinderella. And 
at some level, I think that Georgia's dominance in recruiting and uh, football program acumen, like I feel like after a while, I feel like the pieces are going to fall in our favor. What What would you – would you debate anything I just said? I kind of was going on a rant, so. I wouldn't for the most part. What I would say is, uh, going back to kind of the high school thing, I, it's actually funny. I believe JT Daniels and I think his name is DJ Ugalele, who is going to be Clemson's mm-hmm. new starting quarterback. I believe they played each other in high school. I'm not sure if they're from the same area or is on the national stage, but they have a little bit of a, a rivalry uh, in themselves, so kind of not to be a storyline from ESPN or whatever. Um, well, but this this kid – He's not he's not there yet, but go ahead and tab him as uh, a Tua Tongaloa type of player. This kid is explosive. He can throw the ball. He is uh, as close to dual threat as dual threat guy. I think he's more like a scapability, make plays on the run. Uh, and then on top of that, a lot of people don't know this yet, but going off of what you said about their recruiting classes at Clemson, they have recruited very well. This defensive line, if you don't know their names, which I don't, Start learning them. These guys are going to be playing on Sundays very, very soon. Um, and on that front, I think their front seven, especially that front four, is just as dominant, if not more dominant, dominant than Georgia. And that's right. with, you know, with the likes of Jordan Davis. We got Devontae Wyatt coming back, our two outside linebackers who play some defensive end, and then also uh, Jalen Carter, who's going to be a freak in his own right. Clemson's D-line is better. And going back to a point we made earlier, if Georgia cannot – if this offensive line has not been nailed down and gelled enough to get ready to protect JT Daniels, we will be in trouble. Every other facet of the game, I like Georgia as far as matchup goes. Our wide receivers should burn their DBs all day. Our DBs should handle their wide receivers except for their one NFL caliber wide receiver. Uh, I think that's literally all they have. I haven't heard about any of their tight ends. Our offensive line should be a little bit better than theirs. Uh, linebackers. I think QB, you got to give it to J.G. Daniels right now, but it could easily easily be a game to where both quarterbacks throw for three touchdowns plus and 300 yards plus. So you can call that a wash, essentially. So it's it's not going to be a breeze. I do like the neutral side, and if you just want to think back to a couple years ago with Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley when we had the home-and-home with Clemson before, both of those games are great. We beat them once, they beat us once. So – these teams are as about neck and neck as you can want or imagine. That's how close it is. So it's going to be a few things that are going to be the difference in that game. Well, they definitely have some studs. People I would think of, and I've met some of these guys, KJ Henry is an absolute beast, a really cool dude. He's uh, just super athletic, explosive, really looks looks and moves around like a, like a tight end or maybe a skilled position player. And then on the other side of the – They got uh, that white guy on the D-line too, don't yeah, they? Yeah, Brian Brian Breesey. He's also yeah. – Yeah, he's, he was the number one all uh, – He's the number one going to be playing on America. Sunday, bro. I'm telling you. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a beast. So uh, – and he's he's kind of – he's up and coming. I think it would be his sophomore year, um, if I'm not mis- – actually, he might even be a freshman, actually. I, I want to uh, – yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he'll be a sophomore. He'll be a sophomore. Yeah, I think it's a sophomore. Yeah. He'll be a sophomore. But yeah, so they they have their stack there, and then the other place they're just uh, as stacked as anyone in the country, including us, Bama, who you know you name them, is wide at the wide receiver position. They have like some really game breaker wide receivers to look out for, and like you said, you mentioned uh, DJ Ugiolele. I can't, but I'm probably butchering it. But uh, the, you know what we're talking about. But you know he's he's a uh, 
he kind of remind he he moves around at like maybe like a slightly more explosive Trey Lance. You know, he's got he got that bigger build. Uh, it, you know, you, you can't just hit him in, in the shoulder pads. You need to like kind of hit him low. You got to we're gonna really like disrupt his game. But I, we don't really know. Um, we don't really know what the you know is he gonna. We don't we don't know what to expect from him. So it's kind of hard to really make a a true. Uh, conclusion on how good Clemson actually is about to be. Which can be but, dangerous in a season opener, you know? Maybe they're exactly. not as good. Maybe, you know, maybe they find something and, you know, because, again, think about it. When, uh, you know, when we when we lost Alabama, we were expecting the whole game that Jalen was going to play. And then we've got this freshman who comes in that we've never seen, like, oh, it's a great. I mean, I was looking at my chops personally, like, we should kill this kid. And he ends up throwing the game with a touchdown. So, I'm, I'm just saying, Chill out. <laughs> this is Dabo, – Dabo, Dabo is a premier coach, and he knows what he's doing. So, we yeah. just got to make sure we got our house in order. He, yeah, he is, and I would say, too, he's just a uh, – he's a perfectionist. You know, he, nothing – I've seen Clemson be up 62 to nothing, and Dabo's chewing someone out on the sideline because they made – you know, they lined up wrong. So, nothing gets under his nose without there being some kind of adjustment or – correction and that's what why why he is an elite coach and that's why little old Clemson quote unquote has made it to the big stage like they have so they they have to have our respect they got my respect and I know they're an elite program and we, we, we will really see we'll know a lot about where Georgia stands moving into this season with this test because it's a true test and honestly it's probably um these are the kind of games that are defining for like legacy, and that's the that's all you can really hope for is that we add to Kirby's legacy. And, and that's all we're trying to do. This is going to be a legacy type season. This should really um, either put him above Mark Rick, I think, as far as the direction we're going to go, or if it's more of the same. And really, there's no excuses. I, I'm not here to make excuses for Kirby. He's not going to do it for himself. We need to get it done this season. Now, what that means. You know, losing the – we're all looking for a championship, but a season is not a failure just because you don't win. But it's time to win, I think, at UGA. Um, uh, but, Dog Nation, it's, it's, been, it's been great getting back with you guys. We'll talk a lot more about Clemson and UGA. We also want to chat a little bit about the new NIL uh, that they have going on in college football. These players are starting to get uh, paid for their use of likeness. And also Texas and Oklahoma, which I just saw, Keegan, they, the SEC has – extended an invitation to them officially but there's also there's also a little bit of friction going on between the big 12 and the likes of espn and some of these networks so definitely a lot more to get into uh but hey keegan it's been a good run yes sir i think we got our uh our juices flowing and if we <laughs> if we ranted hopefully got hopefully i got it on my system <laughs> but anyway appreciate you guys and dog nation we will See you again on the on the next one. Looking forward to a great season, and we're gonna we're gonna go in deep with those X Factor details. Hey, appreciate you, Dog Nation. You know what it is. Off the leash. <laughs>